Hi, folks. Welcome to the Great Conversation Podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Smith, and this is where we discuss five big topics, the gospel, relevance, evangelism, apologetics, and training for Christians, all in relation to the truth of God's word in Genesis as the seedbed of all Christian doctrines. And what we're going to be covering here today is how grasshoppers are actually uh, transformers in disguise and that they, they can literally morph into another form due to environmental pressures and what that actually means for the whole creation evolution debate. This is going to be continuing our seven-part series here on Great Conversations called Amazing Animals, and this is part four of seven. And as I've been stating, what I'm hoping this is going to do is just to help you realize how the truth of God's word is so evident in the creation around us, regardless of what you know, you keep hearing about the story of evolution, what's constantly be, being promoted. And we're also going to give you a question that you can pose to your family and friends who don't know the Lord that you can use to witness and open up to uh, some spiritual conversations for, uh, with those around you at the end of each episode as well. Now, have you ever opened up uh, something up and thought, well, well, I didn't know that was in there. <laughs> you see, as a as a kid, having my, my own knife kind of seemed like a bit of a rite of passage to me, despite my mom's probably legitimate apprehension in me, even using one, let alone having one or owning one. But it just seemed like something a, a guy was supposed to have. And even though one of my big brothers actually still carries a large scar from where he sliced his thumb pretty severely with one, I don't really remember that incident deterring me a, a bit from wanting a knife when I was a kid. And of course, as I got a little older, began to realize the benefit of, you know, subtlety and compromise rather than simply yelling, you know, but I want one <laughs> to my parents. I hit upon an idea that eventually gave way to me owning my own knife. And even if it seemed a little lame to me at the time, but I got a knife that wasn't just a knife. It seemed to have basically one of everything inside. It was a Swiss army knife. Now, this was originally adapted from knives issued to Swiss soldiers back in 1886. And there are now hundreds of models, of course, of these knives designed for specific users like hunters and handymen, homeowners, computer repairmen, etc. And they incorporate all sorts of attachments like scissors and saws and files and fish scalers and pens and whistles, all sorts of things. And most people are surprised at what they can find inside one. Um, and of course, to the point that the name Swiss Army Knife is kind of like a metaphor now for any ingeniously designed tool that is pretty compact and has multiple uses. And this, of course, brings me to our somewhat heavy-handed segue into the study of what's called epigenetics, which, if you're not familiar, is the study of changes in organisms caused by modification of gene expression rather than alteration of the genetic code itself. It's the study of the ability for the same source code, DNA, to express different programming under different environmental conditions and is actually quite common in creatures. This is also known as phenotypic plasticity. Now, the concept of epigenetics was first introduced in 1942, but the study has grown immensely since the year 2000. It's taught us a great deal about how genetic information that was previously inactive can be brought online, so to speak, without a change in the DNA of the creature involved. So the epigenetic code is like a set of switches that turn genes on and off in response to environmental stimuli, and it's a main contributor to the ability of the finished product to vary despite the same DNA instructions. And by the way, this shouldn't be confused with natural life cycle programming like caterpillars uh, turning into butterflies or tadpoles, the frauds, etc. 
So scientific ex experimentation has shown that previously hidden genetic information can be activated under differing environmental conditions. And a great example of this is in grasshoppers and locusts. You see, up to the 20s, scientists used to classify grasshoppers as a separate species to locusts. And the reason was uh, because of the significant physical and behavioral differences between them. For example, locusts swarm. Um, but grasshoppers are solitary. Locusts have smaller legs, wings, and bodies, uh, but have larger muscles and a 30% larger brain than grasshoppers. However, because of recent observations, scientists have determined that they're the same creature that can transform from one variant to another and back again under certain conditions, while the DNA of the creatures remains identical. I mean, do you remember the uh, seeing the Marvel Comics character, you know, the big green guy, the Hulk? Well, similar to how the fictional comic book character, the Incredible Hulk, transforms from mild-mannered scientist, Dr. Bruce Banner, into the rampaging green monster known as the Hulk under duress, grasshoppers also undergo a transformation under certain, by the way, laboratory reproducible circumstances, kind of exhibit this Jekyll to Hyde transformation that is truly startling. According to a Scientific American article, uh, serotonin seems to be the spark. So in the wild during droughts, for example, when, when grass becomes scarcer and more parched as it shrinks, uh, the normally solitary grasshoppers get pushed into smaller areas. And as their legs begin bumping into other grasshoppers at a certain point uh, of density, a swarm-inducing serotonin dump gets triggered and a transformation results in behavioral differences and significant physical changes in neural, muscular, and exoskeletal expression that allow them to swarm out of the area. So this transformational ability seems to be an inbuilt survival mechanism that kicks in when the environment demands an adaptation, similar to how in the popular children's show Transformers, they morph from a car or a truck or an airplane into a robot and back again. And this hidden genetic information is tremendous evidence of design and foresight. Obviously, if grasshoppers in a drought situation didn't already have the ability to transform, well, they'd perish before they could have evolved it. But what adaptation pressure or survival benefit is there to having an ability that you don't need yet? I mean, so obvious are these challenges to the story of naturalistic origins that some evolutionists have been speaking about it as if it had a mind of its own that could account for such pre-planning and afterthought. For example, Evolution may be more intelligent than we thought, according to researchers. In a new article, the authors make the case that evolution is able to learn from previous experience, which could provide a better explanation of how evolution by natural selection produces such apparently intelligent designs. <laughs> well, these statements reveal that far from being scientific, these ideas are just imaginations. I mean, check out this quote. When we look at the amazing, apparently intelligent designs that evolution produces, it takes some imagination to understand how random variation and selection produces them. Again, see, they're attributing this to the story of evolution, the attributes of God. Think about that. Foresight design on the scale that we see inside creatures in what we deem the natural world, actually the world that God created and then cursed due to man's sin, requires the attribute of omniscience. So just like the Swiss cutler, Carl uh, Elsner, the clever designer who made the Swiss army knife popular, 
needed to anticipate the possible needs of his patrons and incorporate multiple utilities for work or survival into his design, so too did the loving creator God of the Bible, foreseeing the fall, incorporate an incredible amount of genetic information into his creatures that would allow them to adapt and survive in a sin-cursed world. So this, again, foresight design on the scale that we see and we, we call it the natural world, but it's the world that God created. It, it, it's all the more confirmation, right? What Job says, that the beasts, they will teach you, the birds of the heavens, they will tell you, the bushes of the earth and the fish of the sea, they declare to you, the hand of the Lord has done this. That was Job uh, 12 again. So this week's question, how could a no-mind process like the story of evolution account for the pre-planning required for producing genetic information that wasn't needed yet. If you're appreciating the content, please visit theanswersingenesis.ca website, consider donating to the ministry, and whatever platform you're accessing this on, well, it's got some kind of combination of features to allow you to subscribe or like or share. Um, anyway, please do a review if you're able to. We'd appreciate you taking the time to do so because it's probably the best thing you can do to help us continue to do outreach on an ongoing basis. So until next time, I'm Cal Smith. Blessings to you and yours. Mm -hmm.